0: Welcome back to another episode in our series with Summit Points, the Behavioral Health Authority in Calhoun County, Michigan. We've been visiting for a number of episodes now. We've been learning uh, a fair amount about the reach in the community in terms of programming that helps folks who need it. But if you look back, our very first episode of this series with Jeannie Goodrich talked about the soon-to-be-open first step Uh, urgent care center. That was uh, some time ago. Now, as we sit down with Dr. Kimberly Peck to talk a little bit about the progress of First Step since then. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So just uh, really quick for those who might not have heard that first episode or may not be familiar, what is First Step and what's its main goal?
1: So first step it's it's not so new anymore it feels new to me um <laughs> first step is our psychiatric urgent care center we opened in March of 2021 um really wanting to meet the needs of the people in our community who are most at risk so we found community needs assessments and data reports you know if we want to get sciency with it we we know that Calhoun County is at a deficit for access to medical providers as well as mental health care providers and we know in those kinds of scenarios that Individuals get delays to care or they might wait a bit longer before they seek out care, which means they're at a higher risk by the time they finally reach out. Mm. Uh, We see increases in potential overdose, increases in suicide. And so we really wanted to provide a no barrier access to that beginning point of behavioral health care. So what is that barrier free first step to getting people through the door for their behavioral health needs?
0: Yeah so the idea then that uh, without first step folks were what going to the ER or or not going at all.
1: Exactly right. Yeah, we saw a lot of people inappropriately ending up in the ER not to say that people still don't, right? But because we know about ERs and we know to go there when we have an emergency but yeah, people who were really in psychiatric crisis or mental health crisis, landing in the ER, maybe unnecessarily, or waiting at home or or calling 911 or getting police involvement when there could have been something that intervened sooner to help them de-escalate and avoid that crisis.
0: Okay. So since it's opening in 2021, would you say First Step has reached the potential that it intended?
1: Mm-hmm that's a great question you know I, as i was thinking about this preparing and reflecting on uh, where we've been in the last year and a half i'm reticent to say we've arrived right you never want to say that you've you've met the bar but yeah. we've we've done a lot it's it's incredible to really look back at the first year and a half um we are still growing have we reached our full potential no not yet have we made incredible strides absolutely mm-hmm. i think we have learned a lot um navigating The challenges of a scarcity of resources, especially on this side of a pandemic, Uh, just knowing that we're in a mental health crisis, it's been a challenge. But I think we are really learning a lot. We're growing a lot. We're listening to community partners. We're listening to the people that we serve. So we're really hoping to continue to grow and Mm -hmm. and continue to meet the needs of the people that we're
0: working with. I wonder when you say you're continuing to grow, does that mean Mm -hmm. uh, the programs, the reach, the effectiveness of? A uh, first step is growing, or does that mean that the numbers of folks you're seeing are growing, or maybe it's both? What does that really mean?
1: It's a little bit of both. So we have seen incredible growth in. Uh, we've served just under five thousand people just at the urgent care alone in the last year and a half, which is incredibly high. It's not what we expected. I think our increase in traffic is something around forty to forty five percent. Oh my! Uh, since we opened. Right. So it is literal growth in terms of traffic, but it's growth in resources and and programs too. We've really looked at what does it mean to treat the entire person? Because we know that behavioral health isn't just the neck up necessarily. So we we see crises uh, of mental health, but we know a lot of our individuals we're serving are suffering from chronic physical health issues as well, or there's other things going on that could exacerbate those mental or behavioral health needs or substance use concerns. And so we have a huge interdisciplinary team that works at of first step. So we have uh, peers. We have recovery coaches who I know you've talked to in the past. Mm-hmm. We have nurses and uh, nurse practitioners on site. We have clinicians. We have a variety of staff uh, to really meet the needs of that whole person. It's unique. It's a really unique uh, way to treat. And it's a collaborative process that we've gotten really good feedback about in terms of Not only am I getting help on my substance use need, but wow, you're helping me manage that diabetes that I have not been able to get under control.
0: Oh, boy. Think about that. So, Mm -hmm. right. Someone comes in the door because of an impetus of some kind. They uh, they've they've crossed a threshold in in some situation that has prompted them to visit you. And I suppose Mm -hmm. uh, and by you, I mean, (laughs) first step, of course, the assessment takes place an immediate need is recognized, a path to addressing that is recognized and undertaken, but boy, does it make a lot of sense what you've just said. There might be Mm -hmm. other things at play here that they didn't even come to you about, but now they're being addressed. And boy, uh, if you let your mind go further on that, you think, boy, that could be life-saving work there.
1: Wow. I'm really humbled. And even as you say that, I get goosebumps thinking about it because, you know, in the day-to-day work, it's rigorous, it's heavy work and and it can be tiring. But when you zoom out, it's incredible what a facility like this can do for a community Um, and just making it accessible and really looking at those barriers, right? So like you said, I might come in because I'm in a mental health crisis. My depression is so severe that I cannot cope. But when we start talking about it, it might also be that I have a scarcity, like I don't have regular access to food. I don't have community supports. I don't have family nearby. I have trouble with childcare, right? There's a number of things that can really contribute to those concerns. And we're really trying to parse those things out and see like, where can we help remove these barriers? Where can we close those gaps to really optimize that treatment?
0: Mm -hmm. And you start drilling down into what some of the root causes of, let's say, the depression example might be. Sure. And you start to uncover these things that I uh, venture to say aren't necessarily mental health issues or issues related to depression, but they're there at the root. You have to help with that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you uh, started going in a direction that I was headed in terms of uh, some of the remarks you were making. The notion that there's probably, in spite of what you were calling heavy work, and I don't doubt that, there's some successes that you've seen. Can you share one or two of those?
1: Sure. I love this part of it. It's really humbling to see it again because it kind of shakes you out of that, like, grind of the day-to-day. I I think the biggest thing, you know, it's so easy to think about where we're going and where we want to grow, but it's so important to take the moment to think of what we've already achieved. We're getting people to services and supports that they had not gotten to. And what immediately comes to mind, you know, there's a couple of anecdotes in mind, but there was a, a mother who wrote us this beautiful Facebook message. And uh, gosh, probably six months ago, it was within our first year, she shared all these photos of her and her son on Facebook. And so her son had sought us out for substance use services and supports. And our coaches were able to get him right in. They worked with his family to get him into inpatient treatment, get him set up with services from us. Um, And this mother was talking about, I think he might've been 60 or 90 days sober. And this she was talking about getting her son back. And she was sharing pictures of him with the family and, and just what it meant for her to, for him to have that resource to come to us that he had, you know, gained weight and was feeling healthier. He was talking about going to college and he just had this hope and these plans for his life that they didn't even know if he was going to live to get there. Right. And it's, it's, it's overwhelming to think about that. It just can just, you know, being the person who is smiling at somebody walking in the door saying, Hey, I'm, I'm here to help you. Well, how can Mm -hmm. I get you what you need? And we've got incredible staff that are those people that are opening, they're opening the door, smiling, asking, what can we do for you?
0: Wow. It, It, that whole sobriety or substance abuse discussion is, you know, 25 other shows probably, but many of us, you know, what we see, of it when we're not close to it is what we see on, I don't know, intervention or something on television. And, and, uh, it might be easy for us to say, well, that person just needs to be whipped into shape. It doesn't work that way. Boy, oh boy. And and we've begun to realize what does work. And uh, imagine putting yourself in the spot of that, that mother who's, who watched her son go away under that influence and then saw him come back. This is the work you're doing. That's amazing.
1: It's so humbling. And I, I'm so, you're right. It's easy to look um, from a distant view and have a lot of judgment, but I think, you know, it is, it's so easy. You spend five minutes with any of the people that we're serving and you can have easily have a heart for, you know, this is and people don't choose mental health battles. They don't choose substance use battles, right? These things happen, and and mm-hmm. everyone that we serve is eager for hope and for recovery and wow. for something uh, more than what they've got, right? And and something to help them get out of that. And and we are. We just are lucky to be part of that journey with them and and being able to open that door or connect them to what could be next to help them get there. So I mentioned we have our recovery coaches who I know you've spoken with, but we have mental health peer supports as well. And I was thinking about another woman who, a young woman who was needing to go inpatient for mental health treatment. She was really afraid. Our peer support was driving her to this inpatient. Even just as they were walking in, she was saying she was afraid. She didn't want to do it. They wanted to turn around. She didn't want to go anymore. And our peers, support had been in a very similar, if not the same place, Mm -hmm. uh, in treatment and, and was able to kind of squeeze her on the shoulder and say, I've been here. I know exactly what you're feeling. It feels better on the other side and you can do this. And just that moment to have somebody with that lived experience, to be able to help someone walk through the door, think about what the change could be for the trajectory of um, that young woman's life.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. get her
1: through the door.
0: Yes, we've also spoken with the uh, uh, the peer support folks and we often say in in advertising that there's nothing better than mm-hmm. a testimonial, right? Boy, <laughs> sure. There you have it as a as a peer, someone who's been through the same struggles to be able to look another person in the eye and say it's better on the other side of this you can do this. Boy, Kimberly, that just socks you right in the heart. Uh, That's uh, (laughs) amazing how that works. I I don't want to bring us down here, but I would just ask, uh, I want to be clear about it. Before First Step was open, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: where would these folks have gone? The, The young man whose mother's glad her son's back after a struggle with addiction, -hmm. Depression, where a a peer support person is there at the door saying, You can do this. Before First Step was here, where would they have gone? What might have happened?
1: It's hard to say. We had resources available prior to First Step through Summit Point. There were community resources that. ER is always a place where people typically land. So I hope they might reach our mobile crisis team that we previous had. I hope they might end up in the ED, but it's likely that they wouldn't even get to those resources.
0: Yeah, right. The This, um, this means First Step has begun to do its job. 5,000 folks helped. That means, uh, I don't know, at least 5,000, maybe double, are now aware of it, know mm-hmm. what it does. Mm-hmm. know how to get there, get there and and avail themselves of uh, of sort of the the first step, right? I mean, that's why we call it that, the exactly. first step. Yeah, the, exactly. Is, it
1: is. Yeah. This
0: is the gateway to the rest of your life.
1: Absolutely. And knowing that, you know, crises don't live in a nine to five space, right? And you can come walk into first step, At 3 a.m., if you need somebody to talk to, there's somebody there that's going to sit with you, hear what you need, right? Just knowing that that resource is available, that people can walk in. I think it really makes the difference. And just that tiny barrier of I can walk in when the moment strikes. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if it's the middle of the night, it's early in the morning, it's the middle of the day.
0: All right. Well, I think we've (laughs) illustrated exactly the work being done at First Step. Dr. Kimberly Peck, thank you so much for uh, giving us this update.
1: Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you.